0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome to Under the Helmet. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, Homed over 300 podcasts in 2019, well on track for that in twenty twenty trade calculator, rankings, metrics, everything you need to have your best rookie drafting dynasty startup draft and auction season leading into 2020, you possibly can have your best yet, as I like to say money back guarantee. So nothing to risk, try it out and be one of the 99.98% of people that are satisfied and go forth with their membership. So happy to provide um, that environment uh, to support the show. No advertising here. Uh, You're not going to hear four minutes on razors and things like that. Uh, we get right down to Dynasty, Katie. And um, one, th- one question I wanted to start off with, and I think we covered it maybe in passing two, three, five weeks ago, but I-, I get this question at least a couple times a week. So let's just put it out there. You are commissioner in leagues. I'm commissioner in leagues. So how are you mentally getting behind uh, a potential, the, the potential study. So we can discuss wh- how realistic this is, but if it does occur, how would we handle a potential supplemental draft situation where if we were to see an influx of non-2020 original uh, talent and, and college players um, springing towards the NFL at a non-traditional point, AKA not next spring, um, what would be your your move and your mindset if it is not currently covered in your rule book of a, of a dynasty league,
1: yeah, it's for sure not covered in the rule book, <laughs> not in any of the leagues that I'm in anyway, and it's only been discussed in one league that I'm in. We discussed it on our group me chat, never really came up with any consensus, but we did discuss it at length. I have not given it a whole ton of thought to be honest with you, I am cautiously optimistic that the NFL season's going to go on and that there won't be a supplemental draft or at least if there is just I, i'm i'm not sure it depends on how many players would come out too like if do you just continue the rookie draft and add like around 5 and 6 or <laughs> right. keep the same order like i i I don't know. Uh, draw lots. Um,
0: well, I don't even know if it'd be that many players. I mean, you exactly, kind of alluded if, to it like, oh, a round or two. That would imply 12, 15, 20-something players. Um, that sounds like a tremendous number. If I mean, if, because he, he, I'll just say this. I am typically a let's address it when we get there. Because yeah. we, it seems like every day feels like a week in a lot of sense of what's going to happen. You get new proposals from sports saying what what they're thinking is going to happen. I have I am a uh, my take is I think it's more likely we see an NFL season than a college season. Um, if I would be more concerned about seeing a college season played out in its full fanfare than an NFL season, um, that's my personal take. Um, we'll see what happens. There's still plenty of time. It's mid-May. So yes, things are creeping along. And eventually in June or July, there will be some drop date of like, okay, now we know X, Y, or Z is not starting on time. There's just not enough time. you know. But is it starting a month late? Is it starting two months late? What are we... So I'll, I'll say this. And I wasn't really... I can't recall specifically the Josh Gordon situation. So that's, that's the most notable one to me in terms of a supplemental player being highly valued wasn't he a second round uh pick that the browns gave up to get him In terms that of sounds the NFL? right i'm, I'm like, not sure it was, it was high is the point yeah and so he was a notable player and that was a moment where it's like oh the moment he's added to mfl like i remember it being sort of a scramble drill and now it's been enough time passing that people kind of forget that so i think that my plan is my plan would would be this is here's what i would say that i my now, if you want to discuss this with your leagues in advance, of if this happens, here's what I'm thinking. I, I think that's proactive and that's smart. But I would say this I would do a quasi bidding system where I would have it to where, just like the NFL, you would have to give your pick for the future to acquire a player. Let's just create a scenario, Kitty. Travis Etienne is a notable player that has already played three years in college would technically, I mean, again, uh, Jordan and I both read, like, word by word, you know, who's eligible for the supplemental draft? And it doesn't sound like, you know, this is really realistic. But let's just play it out. Travis Etienne is a or the notable player that is now a part of the supplemental draft. I would say this for Dynasty owners, that in your league, you have the option to bid uh, with 2021 selections that could be you could bid a first round pick you can bid a second round pick you can bid a second and a third you can bid a third and a fourth a second and a fourth you can bid any combination of picks you want and whoever has the highest combination or you know we're going to go by what your order was this year so if you had 101 This year, you have the top spot in each round uh, as your natural draft position. You will have, if there's a tie, if you give a first and the highest other bid is a first, then you win the tiebreaker. You give up your 2021 first and you get said Travis Etienne in this example.
1: That would be harsh in a super flex.
0: I, I, I didn't <laughs> say someone should do it. No, I saying. know. I know. But, but, but I, I, I think it gives everyone a fair shot. You are bidding yeah. just like the NFL bids. And there's no chaos theory of like, oh, we're going to extend the draft from this year. We're going to... Oh, now they're just a part of the waiver wire process. I don't think those are... Again, there's no great solution, but I think making it of, hey, they were a 2021 selection. Now they've been thrust forward by the NFL and how the processes, processes are working this offseason. And so now, just like the NFL, bid a future pick. You can bid a second, a third. But again, I think it's very easy to see how the tiebreakers and who actually, quote unquote, won the player via auction would work.
1: So I like that idea. Mm-hmm. I like that actually quite a bit. I've got another idea that I just thought of yes. and let me uh say this and you can tell me if I'm all wet. <laughs> but what about if especially if there's only a handful of really talented guys just make them off limits. Nobody can draft them. You got to wait till 2021. And yeah. then you have a little more information about them, good or bad, and they just That'll go into fun. the class they go into the class next year just like yeah.
0: they would. Well, I, I made a tug-and-cheek joke where some people say they would never, Katie, never do a rookie draft. First of all, they never evaluate rookies <laughs> until after the NFL draft. Right, yeah. Then they say they would never have a rookie draft before like late August, a la redraft leagues, you know, drafting right before Labor Day or something like that, typically. And, and I say, so, well, hey, why don't we have a whole lot of fun and you have your rookie draft in January after their rookie season is complete? Mm-hmm. boy if you really want data points how about you hold them out of the league entirely and now have your fun rookie draft you could trade those rookie picks during the the first season yeah the player pool is different yeah people are talking about how man i'm, I'm starting josh jacobs and they're like well well josh jacobs isn't even a part of our league like well you don't get the player until year two i mean yeah. that's tongue-in-cheek for me if you want to wait all the way see how the rookie season goes and then then you can buy or sell so um but i like your idea just just say hey they they weren't a part of the 2020 class we already see that's the other thing if you don't have your rookie draft yet then they're just part of the player pool everything is good in the world right i mean uh-huh. you're you have an august 17th rookie draft every year and and now Travis Etienne and you know other players are a part of it and no problem. Just pencil them in. They're, they're a part of the player pool. But I actually, you know, I, I think your, your solution is viable too. Just say, hey, they were, tw- they were already 2021 because we had a rookie draft and the NFL had their draft and they weren't a part of it. So now say they will be a part of it next year and you're just going to have them at the, uh, the requisite age that we were expecting to have them in 2021. It just happens that they played in the NFL for a year. And you've like got a too.
1: little more data, yeah. So I, I, think, I that think those would are be two viable. good ideas.
0: We're workshopping it here on the air. I, I like both sure. of those. Um, again, I think anything that is that is fair and equitable to the entire league, and I think both of those have concepts of that of saying everyone has time to recalibrate and and have their value structure that is not based on. Who's willing to drop their entire waiver wire? And, you know, the tiebreaker is what? Because a lot of people are going to spend their entire waiver wire. Like, I don't know. It's just very, very messy. So I I think both of those are good. So take those. And again, I don't really think every team, every league needs to have this discussion now. You know, I I just, I think if it gets closer and we start getting more tea leaves that, hey, this is actually going to happen. Some of these college players are interested. Then I think proactively, it's time to discuss it at that point. Yeah. All right. Um, Katie. Um, what has been a theme um, of how you've handled rookie drafts, or how you uh, observe the market? Uh, you know, we're this is rookie draft season. Is there a certain? It could be a position, a player that either you have gravitated towards. You've had a specific strategy about said player. Or just something you've seen over and over again, a player falling or, or or going too high for your taste, where you go, This is this is a pattern, and I don't agree with it, but uh but here it is and I've seen it in five, ten, fifteen leagues now.
1: Yeah. Uh Keyshawn Vaughn is the Daryl Henderson of this year, and he has now escalated. I've seen him multiple times at the one oh seven. I've seen him multiple times in the 107 to 110 range, and the furthest that I've seen him go was like 2.03 or so, 2.04, in a super flex where the three quarterbacks were taken. So it still puts him kind of in that similar range, just pushed back because of the super flex moniker. Uh, just
0: 107? One, just to let people know, I mean, just to put a a, a name with that. So that is the five top running backs that typically are in the top five to six of a start one. Plus you usually have the cluster of three wide receivers in some order, CD lamb, Jerry Judy, and Jalen Rager. So that would mean deductive reasoning that Keyshawn Vaughn is going ahead of one of the players I just said. And on one, on what the one to 10 crazy scale, Katie, that's, pushing the envelope towards the high end. I mean, right? I mean, you are taking a later day two guy that, again, we, we were scouting back in January. We were talking about Keyshawn Vaughn as like a sleeper type. You know, I had like, him on,
1: on several Devi leagues.
0: Yeah, but, but a sleeper type of like, hey, he's more, likely to go, he's more likely to go day three than day two. He's a profile that, you know, we can see some well-roundedness to his game. We, you know, especially if he's going to go round three or four of rookie drafts. We, we're like, you know, we're kind of digging this Keyshawn Vaughn guy. A- and it, it's just gone completely sideways from that moment. I mean, I, I really didn't, even going into draft week, I was not expecting this. And I just, over and over again, I keep telling myself, it was completely, it is, has nothing to do with Keyshawn Vaughn and everything to do with people were going to gravitate and push way up whoever landed with Tampa Bay. That, I ha, that's my only, the same thing with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City. Those two yeah. landing spots seemed like the money makers of whoever landed there. It could have been LaMichael P. Ryan. If the Buccaneers drafted LaMichael P. Ryan, he'd probably be going right about where Keyshawn Vaughn was going. It has nothing to do with Vaughn as the player. I'm convinced.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree, and I think that's absolutely insane. But when I see that happen, I say thank you very much. I just need one more flyer, and I get my guy. And it, and because of it, Chad, I've been able to get Jalen Rager at 110, right, 111. So. Yeah, uh, nine, 10,
0: 11 sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and that's insane value i'll take that all day thank you very much
0: after a later two guy that you know later day two guy that doesn't have an elite profile i mean that's that's the real you are basing this solely on number one he's going to beat out a guy in ronald jones that has more pedigree than him i actually think is ronald jones younger than him it's pretty Mm -hmm. I, i know i know i know vaughn's a 23 year old rookie So this is actually a pretty close vote. I haven't looked at this specifically. But I I think I saw that for kickoff, uh, Ronald Jones in year three is going to be 23.1. So the point is, higher pedigree. And Ronald Jones had far more appeal coming into the NFL draft process than Keyshawn Vaughn did. And again, a guy coming into year three in the NFL, he's seen a lot. He's learned a lot. And again, I'm not the biggest, biggest pro-Ronald <laughs> Jones guy, but to, uh, to think that Vaughn is going to come in and take his job, it does have a little Daryl Henderson uh, feel to it, doesn't it?
1: It does. And yeah. again, you know, all I, I can say is thank you. I, I picked up a Did Keyshawn you?
0: Vaughn share in the last three days. You know, it's weird when I see him. It's weird now when I see Keyshawn Vaughn not go in the first round. That's how how conditioned you get, where like he fell to the point of, again, I will take Keyshawn Vaughn. Once I, once I, once I am past Antonio Gibson, I will take Keyshawn Vaughn. And I found that point, Katie, I had enough picks. Keyshawn Vaughn fell to that point of like, it was like 17 overall or something. And I was like, all right, I'm in, I got myself a share. And I I really had zero expectation to get any shares. Uh, but it does exist. It was a hyperactive leagues too. I think both of the ones I was in, he fell beyond the top, beyond 14 or 15 overall, if memory serves. So, but that was the one setting. Uh, all the other leagues firmly inside of that line. Very um, cool. What uh, when it gets to round three plus uh, of, of rookie drafts? Um, have you had a go-to player um, to target, like someone that you build your strategy around, where you're like, oh, I've got 305. That means it's this player over and over and over again or if it's 406 or whatever the requisite range of of the player you're thinking of is Um, or has it been a year of a more blended approach of hey I've got five six seven guys over those say two rounds typically that you know I pick up shares of of any of them and you know I'm pretty agnostic about centering on one guy let's say
1: yeah there's no one go-to guy per se there's pockets of guys I like uh Devin DuVernay, I like Lynn Bowden, and I like uh, uh, McFarland, and uh, even later, I'm, I'm looking at guys, I, I still like James Prochet, and I know that he doesn't have the best of
0: spots, but I'm the talking late. Like, cheap.
1: Yeah, he he is cheap, and well, he's like
0: for me, fifty or overall or something, you can sometimes get him late fourth or fifth round if you go that way And that's what I'm talking. Yeah. yeah,
1: when when you have when you have late, he's he's that feel good. And again, part of the reasoning is he plays special teams. He's going to have more opportunity because of that. He'll he's got his running, sticky wide hands. He's got four or
0: five? Yeah, an and, NFL and, team, and who knows from there. He was highly it, productive too. I mean, we we saw him. I exactly. mean he was a refined, polished player at the senior bowl. And that's a player that sticks on the on an NFL roster, and then the upside beyond that, you know, let's see.
1: Exactly. But I love Devin Duvernay. I love Lynn Bowden. Can and I especially ask where
0: for Duvernay, like where is he fitting for you? Like I again, I like the player. Um I just kind of in terms of fitting him between you know other players that I like in that range, I have not ended up with that many shares. Are you slotting him specifically? Like, hey, I, I'm taking Bowden ahead of him, but then Duvernay's is next. Or it's like, oh well, he's ahead of, I don't know, just just running back X or tight end Y, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. So it goes like McFar. There's a whole bunch of running backs yeah. in in that middle of the middle to late third and then on into the early fourth, depending. So McFarland, Kelly, P. Ryan, Evans, Bowden, uh, they're all in that, in that same range for me. And so DuVernay, all of those guys would have to be gone before I took DuVernay, just because I prefer running backs to the late wide receivers. Right. And again, though it depends a little bit on... Just gut feeling for for the team as well. So I don't have a ton of Devin Duvernay. I think maybe two or three shares, and I've done over a dozen, maybe right. fifteen drafts. So he's or a so. mix in guy. He, he's he's, a, mix a, in, he's, he's a, a mix in. He's guy. a mix in guy. He's a guy B, that
0: if you have a bunch of picks and maybe running back goes sideways on you in round three, you're not opposed. You know, three ten, four o two, something like right, that. If Devin right, Duvernay's exactly. there and you don't like the running backs, you're like you're in. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, he's interesting because, again, we like the player. Um, he's got good comps, and he did go day two, you know, but typically, you know, they aren't the, the those fast starters. And – you know, Baltimore's up in the air in terms of their depth chart, but yet you are kind of pinning your wagon to a likely low volume attack. They do have a round one guy in Marquise Brown there. Prochet went there as well. Uh, Mark Andrews is basically functions as a wide receiver one or two. So there's just, you almost wonder though, man, like how hard is it going to be for someone who even is playing well to, you know, beyond those, those couple guys to get more than, you know, 60, 70 targets. So that that is one concern. So this is kind of dividing out, you know, what's the likely situational factors versus you like the player or not, that decision.
1: Right. And like I said, the running backs that I listed would go before him. It would have to break just right. right. Um, and it, I don't have a ton of shares of him, but I I do really like him.
0: Just as I was list, uh, looking at this uh, this UTH big board, you can find that on the site, by the way, um, of course. But um, one player that it seems like like number one, I have zero shares. Number two, I've seen some people really excited about him. Um, And we haven't talked about him maybe at all. And that's Mr. Chase Claypool. Um, He Mm. was at the Senior Bowl. He goes to the Steelers, probably drafted higher than a lot of people were expecting in the NFL draft. Sounds like he's going to play exclusively to start wide receiver, a packed wide receiver room of young guys um, with pretty good profiles coming out uh, of college. So Claypool's one, though, that I've seen trickle into round two. Uh, He's typically gone by the mid-third of drafts. I'm guessing you probably don't have many shares, but what were your thoughts in terms of rewinding to the landing spot and, and kind of where he fits in your hierarchy?
1: I think I have one share and it was really late. And the thing is, I thought he would he would move up draft boards because of where he got drafted and when he got drafted. But there's so many guys. There's so many freaking guys. Denzel Mims and Keyshawn Vaughn and Brian Edwards, Michael Pittman, and uh, Zach Moss and Anthony McFarlane and all these guys. It continues to push. People are not drafting Chase Claypool anywhere near like I thought they were going to. He could be anywhere. If somebody really, really likes him, 204, 205. Anywhere from 204, 205 to 404, 404, 405, like a two-round swing. Yeah, big and, Yeah, huge. So anywhere, I've only got one share of him. I do like him, and what a beast of a physical guy that he is. I, I want that juicy upside, but there's so many other guys with juicy upside as well that like K.J. Hamler and some of the other guys in that same similar range, It's it's kind of like, when you get to that draft decision, flip a coin. Do I want to take a chance on this guy? I don't have any shares? Yes, now I might as well it's now or never let's let's get a let's get a share. Let's see what we can do and diversify a little bit to a certain extent. I do have a one track mind when it comes to a certain few players, and if they're within any kind of range from one eleven to two oh six. I'll take them anywhere in there, even if I have to take them a little bit early. But that's like AJ Dillon, T. Higgins. Uh, I like those. I like both those guys in that range. Is there?
0: Can you think of? I think you offhand mentioned twelve to fifteen drafts. Has there been a? a bold that some people might consider bold, but for you, it's like, hey, I'm just going and getting my guy or you're overly strong. We all know the situations where consolidation is an annual venture. You know, that, uh-huh. that you just, you might have a lot of picks, you might aggregate picks, but it really is about refining those six, seven rookie picks in a class to what two or three players do I want? Or I've got to spin some of those off into the future picks. I just don't have, even with a taxi squad or something like that, I still don't have room. So I have to be bold and be more aggressive for my guys. Have you made a notable trade that you're like, man, you know, I paid up and it's because I'm a strong team or it's because... I was centralizing my focus um, that to be a successful draft, it was worthwhile to kind of go uh, more so in on a certain player. And this is the way I did it with a trade.
1: Not so much. Uh, One thing that I've noticed a trend for for this year's draft, and it's never happened before. I have yet to trade a pick for a future pick, whether it's straight up or even at, you know, add something. Not one. Not one. From so twenty twenty like, to
0: twenty twenty one plus, you haven't done one of those. I trades. have.
1: I have not done That's any of those. That's
0: unbelievable, Katie. I
1: know. I know because I like the. I like the talent. You just of like the someone people. every
0: every single spot. You've liked somebody. exactly,
1: and I've got enough roster spots, and, and say, there's people why, that I can. Why not?
0: Why not? Take right. The guys exactly, that
1: I like and I know that next year's class is nowhere near as deep. So trading a third from this year's class. To a third, a random third from next year's class, even if it's the three twelve, right. and there's a chance that next year it's the three hundred one, it's not worth it to me. Well, not this year. Well, because three twelve is
0: actually, I mean, we're getting a boost in terms of the pedigree. You might be exactly. able to get a day two running back there, and you're like, even at three hundred one. I mean, you know, Jordan and I have talked about it. You typically in the third round don't get a look at a, a day two running back, and there's multiple guys you typically get a look at there this year, if not three-plus sometimes, depending on the draft and format. So
1: Exactly. Now, earlier today, Tim and I did move up. We had an offer land in our laps, and we're loaded for bear in that particular league, and we were debating between a couple of players, and, and I got my first share of this guy, and you may cringe a little bit, and I don't care, um, but Tim and I, we ended up with... Uh, we had like three firsts or something crazy like that. So we got uh, DeAndre Swift, C D Lamb, Brandon Ayoub, Denzel Mims, and we were waiting one pick away and at uh, 207, and the guy offered us to move up and throw in our 2021 third to move up one spot, and... Tim really liked Michael Pittman. I don't have any shares of Michael Pittman. I liked him at the Senior Bowl. He's got a good opportunity in Indianapolis. We got a strong team. And I figured, okay, why not? Let's do it. It's a, it's, I'm fine
0: with Michael Pittman. I'm not opposed yeah, to it. I have a, No, a but it, it was
1: yeah. it was a future third to move up one spot. And I figured if you next he's year's go. Class, if he's
0: the last guy on your tier and you're like, man, it drops down and we'll probably be looking to trade back or something. Yeah, it's like move up a third is – let's face it, a third in next year's class could look like a fourth this year. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, and and we didn't have any third-round picks from this year, so that was our last pick in the draft. But to add those players to a very strong team already, that was just right. gravy. And another move that I made earlier today, which I consider, and, and this is a new phrase that I'm going to throw out there, but it, it's called a gravy pick. When you can when you can trade back a few spots and you know that you're still going to get your guy, you feel pretty confident. You've got enough of a tier that even if you don't get one specific guy, you know you're going to get another guy of similar caliber. But you're pretty confident that you're going to get your guy and then something else on top of it, I call that a gravy pick. So I traded back from the one thirteen. I had already been blessed with people picking like idiots and taking certain players. So I <laughs> ended up, dollar, Katie, soft seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended Stop up getting like idiots. <laughs> yeah, I ended up getting a, a few guys in a row that just should have gone way earlier than they did.
0: Yeah, it's like that 112. It's like that 112 to maybe 206. There's a range of five or six wide receivers that go almost back to back, you know, straight through there. Where if you have them close, you probably have preferences, but the ordering they go off the board is very random, league to league. So, if you're just not over the moon with one particular guy, you can definitely move within that zone uh, if you're looking wide receiver, especially within that block. But
1: I was I was over the moon for the guy. I just felt very oh, I know. confident. Yeah, yeah. I I felt very confident that in this particular league, nobody was going to touch him. So I traded back from the 113 to the 204, and and they threw in the 210, which I consider so that's my gravy, gravy pick. Now, right. what, if, now the what if the guy you gravy. think
0: is going to fall doesn't? Does the gravy pick turn sour? Does it go rotten? Do you have to throw the gravy away because you missed your guy?
1: Well, but that's the thing. <laughs> if, it, if, if there was a guy that yeah. I... Well,
0: then you just stick, yeah.
1: Right. Then I would have stayed and picked at the 113. It would have been early, but I, again... You've got to do the math. There were five guys that I liked, and I'm dropping from the 113 to the 204, and I've liked them all fairly exactly, equally. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, preference would be, ideally, that this guy falls, and, and he did.
0: So, But if he doesn't, you still got 210. It's not like uh, you're sobbing a story in the corner there.
1: Right. When you got guys like Henry Ruggs that are still available, and you know that somebody else covets him
0: they will, rather yeah. than
1: let him slip – and that was the whole deal. So I ended up trading out of the pick. I got AJ Dillon at two hundred four, which is the guy that I wanted anyway. And then my gravy pick was Anthony McFarland.
0: There you I would have so been got happier. McFarlane for free,
1: right? And I got him for free. And I would have been happier if that was Antonio Gibson, and I came within two picks. But there was no way that I was going to get. Uh, Gibson if I waited my next pick was 303 anyway. Right. I figured my best chance to get Gibson is to make that trade back came close. I mean that would have been absolutely perfect. But gravy to have Anthony McFarland and I still get AJ Dillon. And Ayuk was still on the board when I took Dillon. So I knew right. I was going to either get Ayuk or Dillon um Pitman, Rugs, Mims, it's and Higgins all went. I mean, that it's is a very typ- juicy that zone. Is
0: typically like a later first kind of zone, and now it's creeping firmly into the early mid second this this year. Just mm-hmm. which, which speaks to the depth and. Enjoy it because again, next year is likely not gonna look like this. so and you just mentioned you actually challenged me as, as you were talking a few minutes ago I started looking in my uh, my trade database where I have like five or five to eight of them over the last couple days that I need to put in still, but looking at the thirty plus I made. in, in, you know, when rookie draft season started post NFL draft, I only found one Katie because all of a sudden I started looking through and I was like, yeah, normally I do have like these trades where it's like, Oh, I trade, I I specifically, you know, trade back a ton to get a future pick or, you know, trade out, you know, at the end of round three, round four, something like that. I found one deal, Katie. Um, and here was the situation. It was a, it's super flex and tight end premium four Oh five. I traded for a future third, uh, a future, a third next year. The okay. pick became, so so it's super flex, which gave me more reason to like the third next year. Um, and it has early to mid is my projection for it. Um, the 405 was Antonio Gandy-Golden, just to kind of give an impression of those running backs that we t- kind of talked about previously that you mentioned, they were gone. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a good look at a tight end that I liked at that 405 pick. So I kicked the can. Um, Antonio Gandy-Golden, eh, you know, late day three. Um, a wide receiver, uh, not a big fan there. So give me the third next year. You know, if it ends up 301 to 305 or six, um, I, I'm good with that. And, uh, again, I, I don't think – I'll be surprised if if that comes out to like bite me where Gandy golden is, is huge or something this year. So um, that was the one circumstance out of all these trades. And normally, as you were mentioning, I mean, they're far more commonplace of just like, yeah, you know, don't like this range. Let me trade, you know, two twelve for a future second or, you know, three Oh one for three Oh seven and a future third or second or whatever. Like those are a lot more commonplace and yet only one, (laughs) only one so far this year. Yeah. Um, one other question I had uh, for this week for you, Katie, is looking ahead to 2021. Um, so we've, we've also done some some Debbie drafts together. We have made allusions to next year. It doesn't quite look like this year um, based on projections. Things can change. But is there a player kind of thinking ahead to next year? You know, we see some 2021 mock drafts out there for NFL. That's always common after the, the NFL draft for the current year. Uh, but also doing your Debbie drafts and kind of getting a lay of the land there. Is there a 2021 guy that you think is particularly overvalued, overrated, um, more name value than substance with their profile at present, and yet we might get 12 months from now, and they're going pretty high just because there's not as much competition for the top 5, 10, 15 spots in next year's rookie draft?
1: I think Rashad Bateman and potentially even Najee Harris. They're, they're up high on a lot of people's boards. And I think that's just because there's nobody there's, there's nobody else and it's not as deep and they look great in college but not not sold yet. Uh the NFL Combine will will speak a lot of that story the next season if there is a college football season will we'll speak a lot about that as well. But those are the two that I would say are more overrated than you know uh you know anyone. my go-to,
0: my go-to Najee Harris story that I have so far. So I've been, so I do this, you know, looking for measuring max speeds and getting more of an impression of, of a player's athleticism and speed um, in college where, you know, 40 times are very ambiguous. Not many colleges do formal 40 measurements and, um, and and putting that information out, blah, blah, blah. But for Najee Harris, so, so basically you find, you know, a breakaway play, you measure basically the whole way, you count, you count frames and there's a whole method to it. But here, here's the funny thing about Najee Harris. So I watched all of his highlights this is through three uh, three college seasons, and no he hasn't been you know Jonathan Taylor in terms of the volume he's received to uh, distill that down to the quote unquote highlights, but I, Katie i couldn't find one run where I could legitimately measure his max speed. you want to know why because he doesn't, never had a break away he doesn't break away from anybody at any time mm-hmm. like how, how jar like I wonder he's the only one he's the only one so far that i've i've gone to to the task of hey let's 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 go through some highlights let's find some of these applicable you know straightforward runs that you know we see it in college all the time harris hasn't had one so that either means that he's the most randomly uh deficient player in terms of finding those opportunities and on alabama color me skeptical that those don't exist commonplace or really you need to question his speed like really like four, six, something should be absolutely your expectation for Najee Harris. And I think it's the latter and not the former.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's, he's also 23
0: years old. If he, he's going to, he can him going back to school. I know it's a great class this year, but him going back to school. And now he's going to be 23.5 as an NFL rookie with that profile that if he runs four, six, seven or something, good Lord, it's exactly what you're saying. Like he's getting a buy on name value. He was a five-star guy. But, like, look at him in terms of translating to the NFL. Yeah. doesn't work out. Like, the numbers don't work. And, again, if you don't expect a great workout. And this is from a, you know, he, obviously he's 225, 30-plus pounds. But, so that's great. He better be big because he's certainly not running away from guys.
1: Yeah. And then you look at a guy like A.J. Dillon who's big as heck and can run fast as.
0: Right. He, uh, he checked the box. <laughs> do, do you remember? I, I think I even passed it around where he put out a tweet. Like, talk about the confidence of his work ethic and preparation. He put out the numbers. He was like, I'm hitting these. I have to go back and look. I think I screen saved it or something. But he was like, I think he actually said 447. But he said, like, you know, 40-something-inch vertical, like broad jump. Like He put out these monster numbers where it would be like, like a lot of people were skeptical, Be like, but ah, no way. And he pretty much, I mean... He was Backed as impressive as, I mean, did he hit every number on the dot? I mean, no, but the point is he was he faster. Lo- <laughs> he, logged, he logged a 99% athleticism score. So how about we cut the guy? a br- Yeah. I mean, if he didn't hit four, four, seven, let's make that okay at 247 pounds. Like it's just like, I could like that to me was really impressive because it was almost, you know, Babe Ruth style of pointing at the, pointing at the, the, the fence out there. I mean, he basically said, I'm going to do this. And it's not like he trimmed down. He was 232 pounds. You know, he, he shed a ton of weight to go do that. Um, you know, I mean, he's as big, um, you know, 245, 250 was kind of what I was expecting. And yet he still hit those, those athletic marks. Very impressive.
1: He's a GAM.
0: A Gam Gam? Is that a grown-ass
1: a, a grown ass man.
0: Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. And what's funny is he doesn't look like that, right? You, you, he's so yes. well-proportioned on tape. It's not like a, uh, good Lord, he looks like a different uh, species. No, he just looks like huh. a, like you said, a, a, a gam-gam.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just a grown-ass man. Um,
0: to finish out on a, on a funzy thing, something that Katie and I shared over <laughs> the weekend, um, being afraid of heights. I, I didn't know we had this in common. We have other things in common. But uh, you had a picture of yourself you're doing as you typically do, uh, you're working in your in your yard. You're working at your uh, cathedral, known as your house, in terms of making it your own. Always having a project going on, and uh, I think you're doing uh, something regarding your shed. Is that I'm accurate? building a shed. You're building a shed. I designed
1: and and building a shed. I was on the roof. roof.
0: I made a yeah. comment that that um, you know I, it would be troublesome for me to get up there, and you were like, "Well, I'm scared of heights too." So this was a big achievement for me. Talk about your fear of heights and you know if there's some backstory to that but some some examples as well as this weekend of even getting <laughs> on a relatively low uh low roof there of your oh your new
1: your yeah new i mean it's cabin. it's not relatively low it's low and everybody would laugh at me if they looked at eight it feet,
0: seven feet, eight feet
1: Eight feet to the peak on the top. It's a it's a just a three twelve pitch. So it's not even a very uh, steep pitch on the roof. It's a three twelve pitch starting at eight feet, and then it's a shed. You know, just going straight back, uh, lean to type, and it's probably six foot six foot six to the eave in the back. <laughs> but but still, to get up on a ladder and trying to figure out the best way. To get from the ladder onto the roof. Yeah. I've, I've gained a lot of weight over the last couple of years, and I'm knees. 55 you years... Have good knee. I'm 55 years... No, my knees are fine. My back oh, okay. is what's oh, usually back, a little okay. bit okay. sore. Yeah. But my back hasn't been sore during this entire project, which has been two weekends in a row. And I've done most of the work all by myself. So I've got tired arms. I'm, I'm doing the final stages of the prep work, putting the felt paper and the rain drip on the roof so that I can shingle it. And... I swear to god, I was I bought I went to the Home Depot. I've got some 4-foot step ladders. I ended up buying a 6-foot step ladder, which is a beautiful beautiful ladder. But it's still not quite high enough for me to get onto the roof from safely. So I went in the garage and I got my extension ladder and I put it up against my new fence because that's nice and stable. There's about a 3-foot area between the the new shed roof and the fence and that way I knew the legs weren't going to kick out from underneath me the new fence is stabilizing the ladder at the bottom and then at the top you know I'm, I'm I built some scaffolding from the side of the of the shed over to the new fence so that I could step onto that and then step onto the roof from there. But before I even built the scaffolding and I'm thinking about the whole process, how am I going to get from the ladder onto the roof? I it, it My legs get shaky when I'm scared of heights. And even though that's not a big height, for me, it's a big height. And like I said, I'm not a skinny person. I've gained a lot of weight in the last couple of years. And I'm 55 years old. And I was up the ladder. As close as you could be to getting on the roof, and I balked.
0: Still an interesting. I balked.
1: Yeah, it's like, how am I going to get? Did you actually go down? Did you actually go down? I did. I go up again. Yeah. Yes, but and and the more I'm standing on the ladder, just looking at the roof and thinking, oh, this isn't that bad. You can do it. Just do it. The more I'm standing there, the more, the more my feet are starting to hurt. Or... No, yeah. but my feet are starting to hurt because of the ladder rungs. They're like digging into my yeah. uh, instep on my, on my shoes. <laughs> and so I climbed back down. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to go in and get a drink of water and just relax. And then I Googled the safe <laughs> way to get off of a ladder onto a roof. And I so watched. It's the
0: height plus the maneuver of yes, this is just of not a familiar coming movement. Ar-
1: Right, exactly. And I didn't want to, like, do I get onto my knees and just kind of come around the ladder? Like, what's yeah. the way to do it so the ladder doesn't go flying in one direction and me go flying in the other direction? I Googled it, and I saw three different safety videos on how to get up and down off of a roof. And I, I was like, okay, so what I can do is I'll get up with my hips, even with the with the roof, and then I'll step onto the scaffolding and then onto the roof from there and then when i get back down i'll step onto the scaffolding and from there the the ladder's right there next to me and then i can also use the scaffolding once i get up there for my box of nails and my hammer and everything cuz i don't want all that up on the roof and after i watched the videos and took a relaxing break that's when i finally got the courage up and i was like you know what this none of your friends have come over to help you with this freaking shed you've done everything by yourself for the most part except for two Big heavy things. I did have a friend come over and help me put up the the actual framing that I had built in my garage. That was too heavy for me to do by myself, so I did have a friend help me with that. But it's like this roof is not going to shingle itself. You've got to do it, and you got to get up there. So let's go. Just stop it. Um, and
0: Were you so I. When you I, got up there, I mean.
1: Yeah. Once I got up there, then. I was fine because it's, it's a six foot by eight foot shed. It's, it's not huge, but it's two pieces of four foot by eight foot, three quarter inch plywood side by side, the full sheets. So it's, you know not a big square footage area it's not a steep pitch it's almost like walking on a flat roof 312 is nothing so i went up there i got my i had already started the felt paper from the ladder and i'd already started stapling it on there and i had the sheets already cut out so i had three sheets i'd lined them up stapled them and i figured rather than kneel cuz kneeling hurt the heck out of my knees I actually did like the crab ca- crawl that you do in gym class in 7th grade where you're backwards and uh, upside down basically right. you got your hands you got your hands on the on the roof my feet were on the roof and I was just crawling backwards going up the roof cuz that was much easier than trying to crawl on the tar paper with my knees getting scratched and everything I just and so I was up there 20 minutes. That's all it took to do the felt paper. I'd already done the rain drip and I could do the rest of the rain drip from a ladder. I didn't have to be on the roof to do the rain drip. So I figure when I go up, I got to go up one more time to put the shingles on. I can do the starter row of shingles from the, from the ladder on the low side of the roof. I can get the first two rows probably started and, and nailed without even getting up on the roof. And then get up on the roof in maybe 20, 30 minutes, I should be able to get the whole thing done and be done with it and, and off and never have to go up on that freaking roof again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's as much, I mean, part of it is aging, part of it is fear of heights, part of it is just, uh, you know.
0: So do you have that- a ridiculous, like over your 50 plus years, Not not this weekend, but do you have a, like when you look at yourself and you're like, I know this is ridiculous of of a circumstance where you're like, no, I'm not going to go do that. And maybe everyone else was doing it or uh, just a situation where you're like, this is ridiculous. I shouldn't be afraid of that. Yet I am and yet I'm not going to go do that.
1: Well, even when I was younger, I've always been afraid of heights. So right. for me, I knew that was going to be the most challenging part of this project. And I have, through the years, tried very much to... Overcome my fear of heights. I've done zip lining. I wanted to be on the show Survivor. I auditioned for the show Survivor. I love the show and I love the challenges. I have even had someone raise me in a la- in a platform on a uh, like I don't know what you call it. Like a, it's not a backhoe, but it's some kind of piece of mechanical equipment where they just lift you up in the air, 30 feet in the air, and jump from that platform into a pond. Wow. Just to replicate a Survivor challenge, and just <laughs> knowing that I may have to jump off a cliff, uh, and and you know just ziplining and doing different things.
0: But you're still over afraid.
1: the years. Oh, I'm still afraid. So you've and done
0: all those things. You've ziplined. See, I won't zipline. I, yeah. I I've said no to that. Um, I did go skydiving to try to quote unquote cure me. Um, I. I it don't was, know that there's a cure. It was scary <laughs> as heck. Like, here, here's the most extreme thing that I think people would laugh, uh, just to kind of close things out. That I, like, if, so when you go to, let, let's just say it's, uh, I, I guess it's a motel that has the outdoor um, walkways um, or a, a balcony works, sure. That I will, I cannot go to the railing. Like if I have to walk to a place that's on the fourth floor and it's like one of those, you know, what is it, uh, five feet wide, six feet wide walkways? I can't even though there's a railing right there. I can't walk next to the railing. I have to be like right next to the doors, um, you know, with a uh, with with a suitcase. Or I'm okay on the second floor. Um, if it was a second floor balcony, like I think I'd be pretty comfortable. But uh, you know, specifically staying in a place that's beyond, I mean, I can go on the balcony if it's third, fourth floor, but honestly if it's a, if it's a smaller balcony and it's like seventh, eighth or some of these places that are like twenty thirty floors up or a, a giant hotel or whatever, like I don't not worth it to me. I won't even go out there so <laughs> so that's how extreme like even though and again, it sounds like we've both sort of done some height based things in our lives and yet it's still always kind of with you and there's like these limitations we, we do on a regular basis in terms of, yeah, that's not really, you know, I don't really need to need to do that. And other people embrace it or certainly, uh, can, uh, can, uh, you know, absorb it in their lives.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just, it's the crazy thing that, um, I, I guess it's just, Everybody has something that they're afraid of or that they that they won't do. And I feel very proud of myself when I can accomplish something that I'm afraid of, like even as stupid and simple as it sounds, when this shed is all said and done and I don't have any broken bones and I'm not in the hospital, I've I'm proud of this. Like, yep. I love to build. I love to design. Well, you're I a love...
0: do it too. Like, you, yeah, you, you it, said that nonchalantly, but it was like, you like doing it and not having help.
1: Well, no, I love having help. I don't mind having help. I would love to have a couple of teenage kids, especially <laughs> okay. somebody that's younger and stronger that I can teach as I go. That's my MO. I, I was taught – my grandpa, my next-door neighbor who became my grandpa just because we got so close to each other, him and him and grandma taught me so much. But as a skinny, scrawny 12-year-old kid, I went over. I used to deliver the newspaper, and I became really good friends with the family they had me paint their garage for a dollar an hour. Back then, a dollar an hour was as much as I got for babysitting. That was huge. And I loved painting. I loved doing stuff outside. I didn't mind scraping, you know, the old paint off and putting the new paint on. And at a buck an hour, man, that was that was huge. I had a job. And then after that, we built furniture together and he taught me how to uh use wood tools and and saws and and do things safely I did electrical work for him I did plumbing work I learned so much and I like to do that kind of thing I like to have teenagers that I can help have them help me so they're the young strong ones but on top of that I get to teach them a thing or two about what I've learned so anyway, uh, I do. I would. I would love to have some help. It's just not in the cards for this particular project because of the COVID nineteen and just you know I've got other friends that are staying at home and doing their own projects.
0: Katie Flower giving back just like she gives back to dynasty owners. Uh, <laughs> that she's planting those seeds, those seeds that turn into plants and crops. And uh, food for the future, for sure. Um, You can find her on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar399. I'm at Chad Parsons NFL on Twitter. Reminder about UTHdynasty.com. Also, you can support the show with no advertising over there at Patreon.com slash UTH. Um, Do some premium stuff with Tim Torch, as well as some bonus content you cannot find anywhere else for uh, just about a dollar a week uh, gets you in uh, the door for some exclusive dynasty audio and written content. So that'll do it this week. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.